0: I think, an important and kind of exciting topic to to discuss uh, this time around. Exciting because it has caused an explosion in the Twitterverse. (laughs) Uh, So we'll come to that in just a second. On Twitter, it's X. Sorry, on the (laughs) Xverse? I don't know. It doesn't sound... I'm still going (laughs) to call it Twitter. Um, But before we jump into our topic uh, for this episode, Roger just because I think uh, it can be helpful for me and also for our listeners. What is one way that you try to keep your family Christ-centered? Just one thing that you do maybe habitually that you think this this helps to kind of keep the focus of the family where it should be.
1: That's a good question, especially now in the... Busy, crazy schedules and, and times yeah. of life. Um, I think just being connected to the church is just the foundation and basics that this is what we do on Sundays. Yeah, And we go to church and becoming a youth group and trying to be involved in the church and making that a foundation yeah um, you know we do devotionals here and there and try to stay in scripture I try to encourage them to read on their own now and not me reading to them right. sure that's been a challenge to see are they going to do it or not and yeah. how are they keeping up and what what do I need to motivate them what do I need to give them a prize to get them to do it <laughs> right. but just trying to uh, keep them around the things of God um, but it's not Always easy because there's so many competing voices that's right um, around yeah how about you you've perfected everything oh, so oh yeah help, help our hard. listeners now
0: let, let, <laughs> let me speak to you from above uh first of all what you say is is so good and that's just kind of the regular means that God has given to us the life of the church yeah. and I think that it's so good for our kids to see not just us, but the whole body of Christ attending church, the regular rhythm of life that Mm -hmm. Sunday is the Lord's day. And, um, so I think that's really an important part of their discipleship and and training them up. Uh, man, I have tried, Nora and I have tried so many different uh, ways in the sense Mm. that sometimes we've done, you know, every, when they were younger, every night we'd read something to them. And then Uh, when they started school at some point, I started doing morning kind of devotionals while they're eating breakfast, reading scripture to them as well as other things. Right now, what, um, we've started that has been, I think pretty effective. And again, there's no right, this is the way uh, to do it. But, um, I thought that for the whole family to be together, uh, one time one evening hmm. a week and we've set aside there's one evening i won't schedule meetings that night okay um i we just it's on the calendar all the time and we will have our family worship hmm. and so we're going right now we're going through an orthodox catechism oh yeah i just bought that oh it's, it's really good i
1: heard you say it in a sermon i'm like what is this book i've never heard of it it's, so it's really I, the heidelberg baptists yeah it's Baptist, yeah. really <laughs> what it is <laughs>
0: And uh, so we're going through that together and I try to prep a little bit ahead of time. So I'm with questions and things to, to kind of work through and take prayer requests. And so right now, and they're not always thrilled, you know, I've got teenagers, they're not thrilled, um, but it's a rhythm that they're used to now. And that's That's been good. good. So that one it's manageable for them. We can get everyone on the same page. Sports doesn't interfere, you know, like it's, so that's been a, a way just, making sure that we're not going, we're shooting for the stars, right? Every Mm -hmm. night and every morning, we're going to do it together with them. But like you said, encouraging them to be in the word. uh, I'm part of what they have to do is I've asked them, not that they do it all the time, but I've asked them that before, uh, before they can do anything else, uh, you know, free time wise. So they do their homework and those things. But one of the things they have to do is also read at least 15 minutes of either scripture or a Christian book.
1: That's good. I started enacting that.
0: It's, you know, if I'm around and I can kind of make sure they're doing it, it it happens. And it's been good. You know, they're at least getting some other input, particularly the scripture, but also these other Christian books that I keep buying them. Um, Yeah. (laughs) I don't know how many of them are getting read, but, (laughs) but I'm buying them at least. Um, So, yeah. And if, if our listeners have good ideas that they do with their families, it'd be great. We'd love to hear that. Maybe do an episode on kind of keeping the family Christ centered at some point, but that's That's not the episode. This time around, Uh, Raj, we've been (laughs) reading and uh, kind of observing some kind of craziness over the last Mm -hmm. couple of weeks, and for our listeners, I'm pretty sure many of them have probably heard already of what is going on uh, with Alistair Begg Mm -hmm. and the situation with some comments that he made um, about advice and counsel that he gave to uh, a grandmother who's now again i'm getting kind of confused about it is it her grandson mm-hmm. so her grandson is getting married to someone who i believe is transgender correct is that correct correct so this grandmother whose grandson is marrying a transgender person has asked alistair beg for counsel as to whether she should or shouldn't go to that grandson's wedding yes and from what i remember hearing from begs comments he said he asked her first does this grandson know where you stand mm-hmm. she said yes does he know that you oppose it and God opposes it and the, the word of God opposes these things and he, she said yes he does and uh then he said if that's the case in her cert- situation he offered the counsel that she should go and take a gift mm-hmm. and it sounded like from what i understood his reasoning was that the expectation of the grandson would be that she's not going to show up. And in his mind, it's because Christians hate the LGBT community. Mm-hmm. And by her going, Beg thought that he could kind of surprise, the, she could surprise the grandson mm-hmm. and have an opening for the gospel. That's kind of how I understood it. Is that about right?
1: Yeah, I think those details are there. I'll add some more yeah, that he please. said that it was a uh, private conversation he had with somebody he had never met. She had called oh, right. his office at the church. He had taken time and then responded to this grandmother. So he'd never met her um, and was just talking with her uh, about this and getting the details of it. Um, uh, and then, yeah, he did mention that this could be an opportunity to catch um that grandson off guard of attending. And he said that uh, his focus and what he was thinking in his mind during this time was how to preserve that relationship. Mm -hmm. His mind was not thinking, how do we think about the culture? How do we think about this grand uh, issue that is hot in the, around us, but how can he help this one grandmother in this one circumstance Continue to have a relationship, mm-hmm. not compromising her belief, not affirming what she was attending, right. but maybe even, and he said this in a sermon, maybe even sitting there uh, disagreeing with what was happening mm-hmm. with a nicely packaged gift that was a Bible in right. her hand. Yeah. And so that, that's some of the other uh, details that he added uh, yeah. into it.
0: And, and his, in his mind, his point wasn't... Um, preserve the relationship at all cost. it's preserve the relationship for an opening for the gospel's sake.
1: Correct. Yeah. He right? said that because of what could happen is that um, if you have no relationship, there's no opportunity to therefore uh you know present the gospel and have conversations about it and um you know so he was it was continuing to have that relationship yeah what's remarkable in that whole thing i think just to begin with is the grandson wanted the grandmother to come (laughs) even though she he knew where she stood yeah it's interesting to think what kind of relationship do you have that's pretty powerful that somebody knows you disagree completely with what they're doing, yeah. yet they
0: watch you there. That's interesting. interesting. That's that's a thought I hadn't actually considered. But what we saw after that. Okay, so Beg presents this advice, it ends up being on the end of his radio show. He talks about it at some point.
1: Yeah, he he had wrote a book. <laughs> Okay. Um and then it came out I think in one of the promo videos for that book and he had c- explained this. So Got it. um this was I forget the book now. I should have I okay. I saw it earlier that he had wrote uh where he was talking about um uh or reaching out to those. Um
0: interesting. Okay. So it was based on a book. I thought it was just at the end of one of his radio shows, but it was probably discussed at the end of the radio show. I think show.
1: so, yeah. It was a snippet on an interview for the book that got caught on the radio got show. It. And then once that got out, somehow it created a firestorm that brought him blindsided him. He's like, Where did this come from? Oh yeah. I mean it exploded. <laughs> it exploded
0: yes. everywhere. And so what I've been reading on on X slash yes. Twitter, the artist formerly known as Twitter, is just I mean People were writing him off, uh, they were calling him to repentance, okay. they, they said that, um, I mean basically they started treating him as though what he said was without question heretical and was a, an abomination to God. Uh, not again, not a, a gay or, or LGBT wedding, yeah. but, but his counsel was an abomination. I mean they, they were just very livid and angry over, um, those comments. And there, there was this call to repentance. I don't think it was a very effective call to repentance or a gentle call to repentance in any way, nor do I know if they actually ever, if anyone directly contacted him as a brother to peaceably, you know, address the situation. Um, but then beg sort of responded. I think it was, did he say it's a direct response? Oh yeah. He So his sermon yeah. later on was a direct response to this. And now, I haven't had a chance to listen to that sermon, yeah. but you have, mm-hmm. and so can you get, kind of briefly just tell us what was that sermon response like?
1: Yeah, so this was, uh, I think it was, was it a Sunday evening? So it was a, a no, it wasn't a Sunday evening. It was a, a I think it was last week, okay. um, a message that he gave at his church, Parkside uh, Church, and he had started it with an introduction that people have been talking and they, they know about what's going on or they will know mm-hmm. through this message, and so he started it out talking just briefly about um, the counsel he'd given, but it was a sermon. And what he based it off of was Luke 15, which I preached on last week, right? Yeah, prodigal son. The prodigal son. So he okay. went through the prodigal son and talked about... Um, uh, uh, Jesus' call to those um, and loving uh, those outside. Mm -hmm. And um, throughout that message, he would take pauses to address the situation that had occurred. So he was teaching the biblical truth about how God wants us to love uh, uh, our enemies, love our neighbors, bringing out all the principles there, also talking about Pharisees. Mm-hmm. um and how the Pharisees were treating people um, and then used that as kind of a springboard to address why he sees the 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 or not I should say why he is wrestling with the scriptures okay. on how uh, to apply this to our current circumstance yeah um, with what he brought out so
0: now the accusation after that sermon because I haven't listened to the sermon yet uh, Roger but the accusation was, that his exegesis and exposition of that passage was just way off and kind of self-serving, and he was just doubling down on his position and really defensive in that sermon. Did you feel any of that?
1: No. Doubling down, no, because he 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 wasn't—he (laughs) didn't— that's an interesting posture because that to say you're doubling down is to say, I made a statement I'm holding to, and I'm just going to drill it again. Yeah. It was more of here's how I'm responding to the accusations against me, against my counsel. Here's how I'm wrestling with the scriptures. Okay. Did he defend himself? And did he say, I don't have anything to repent of and I'm not going to repent? Yes. Mm. Was that his assessment? Yes. In a sense of what is the charge you're bringing against me? So he prefaced it as, uh, yes, this is an opinion I gave. Some will disagree with my opinion. And um, uh, it, you know, it was in that context. So if another person came to him, mm-hmm. he said, I may give give different counsel because I'm looking at it from one uh, perspective. And yeah. and in a sense, he is surprised and saying, I'm kind of shocked this is coming because if you know my teaching, how long have I been teaching that marriage is between a man and a woman? Mm -hmm. How how did I just not complete Romans 1? So yes, in a sense, he's defending himself, but he's defending himself. Is there anything wrong with saying these are what the positions I hold to and what you're accusing me of does not fit? So for Mm -hmm. example, he has not given any change in any of his theological positions on marriage right one bit and that's what he was doubling down on so right. if he was doubling down on his firm foundation mm-hmm. that's what i got out of it now i don't think well i think his exegesis was trying to bring out the fact that we live in a culture and we live in a time where we have attention on how do we hold to holiness and purity of life and loving those who are our enemies and impure. And he wrestled with that of how even some others thought, like how did John stop think about this? Mm. How did he wrestle with, do you abstain from the culture or do you you engage it? So he was trying to show through the scripture how he's thinking and wrestling. And so I left thinking, this guy is really wrestling with, what do we do now? You read Romans 1. How do you do this without saying, and I like his point. He said, look, as a Christian, you can't revile people and you can't affirm people. So we are not reviling those in homosexual community, nor are we affirming them. Yeah. So how are we going to deal with this tension?
0: Yeah. So, so. I, I, let's step back for a second for our listeners. I just realized they may not know who Alistair Begg is, but Alistair Begg is a popular conservative uh pastor in Ohio, mm-hmm. uh, Parkside Church yeah. in Cleveland-ish. Cleveland, Cleveland Ohio. Is Cleveland? Yeah. Um, and also has a very popular radio show. He is Scottish background, so he has that heavenly accent that yes. makes all things better. <laughs> uh, and he's been a faithful preacher of the word for 40 years 1975,
1: or so? he started at that
0: church. Oh, wow. Okay. So he's been... And, and if you've listened to his preaching on the radio, you know this is a, a conservative bible-believing godly man who has been faithful to the scriptures no one has any accusation other than this uh this is the first time i'm hearing and now of course people disagree with him on on various theological points but in terms of accusations this is the first thing that i've heard come out with this kind of force so it's not like he's this controversial preacher you know um yeah so so this is what caught my attention, by the way. I'm, I'm looking at this, looking at X, reading these comments. And I'm like, this is Alistair Begg we're talking about. Like, I listened, I've listened to him pretty yeah. regularly in the past, growing up especially. And I'm like, something's amiss here. Let me go take a look. Let me listen to what he said. So I yeah. listened to what he said. And here's what I thought. I'll be honest, Roger. I thought, I don't agree with him. I don't agree with that counsel. Yeah. And I thought... I can understand why people don't agree with the council. Okay. The content of the issue, I think that beg assumes that attending the wedding does not give any endorsement or celebration. It doesn't require that that's his assumption. My version would be, I think that it does. I think that going to the wedding does endorse or affirm in some sense and is, is celebrating that union that's taking place. And so in my mind, because I have that presupposition or that assumption, I can't counsel someone to attend an LGBT wedding because they would be going against God's creation mandate of what marriage is, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. So fill in the blanks after that. So I see why they opposed it. I don't however, think that beg needs to be canceled, hated, you know, bashed for this view because I think we have to talk to him about why he comes to that conclusion. He's not denying anything that's sin that, that we would call sin. He has orthodox theology on sexuality. Mm -hmm. It's an application point that I think he's getting wrong, but it's an application. I know people will say, well, no, it's a gospel. Well, if you listen to his assumptions, it's not a gospel issue.
1: Yeah. And and think about it. It's an opinion he gave in a private conversation, which he explained. Mm -hmm. He has restated what his biblical views are. He's restated even in the message. He said, I'm clearly going to remind everybody homosexuality is not God approved. Mm -hmm. I am against it. I still hold to the position he had just taught through Romans 1 on the position that scripture teaches that these people are, are rebelling against the Lord mm-hmm. and, and it goes against our, our tried and you know, uh, long history of, of belief. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't changed his views. His understanding of scripture has not changed. Yeah. He made an opinion, one opinion to one congregant on what she asked to do. Yeah. And so now we no longer care about what the actual foundation of what we hold to. We're going to attack every opinion you may have and how you want to apply something. And you're trying to wrestle with it. And sure, you're not making this grand PhD uh, over this one tiny opinion you're making, maybe not tiny to some, but you you all of a sudden. I I, or what I see is I see the Christian culture all of a sudden acting just like the world. We cancel everybody. You don't like what somebody says, cancel them. But now we're going to not believe what you say. We're going to put false motives, interpret what you're saying. Instead of like you saying, Yes, there's a difference in this affirmation, that's a disagreement. We disagree disagree on that. that. That's right. And it you can you can actually disagree. Yeah. And still be faithful to the scripture. With disagreeing. That's right. Now, it would be different if he was saying, I'm changing my viewpoint and I'm making a blanket call to all believers in this church. Yes. This is what I suggest you should do. And this is the new way we should outreach. Anytime this happens. Yeah. I'm giving the counsel for that. Yeah. Think about all the pastoral counseling you have to do. Think about the stuff. Sticky, messy issues. You have to declare something. If the world heard all the pastoral counseling that was coming out of preachers, we'd all be canceled in a minute, right? Right? If it was our opinion. That's where I wrestle with this because I'm thinking he hasn't changed his viewpoints on scripture. This is an opinion he made wrestling with how to help a woman continue to practice love in a situation that i like how he said there's nuances it's not black and white how do you nuance this to really think through yeah knowing that you know none of us know for sure um what the outcomes are going to be yeah but it it, you know i i think there's some there's some good points he brings up
0: yeah well and and again his his purpose. I think we need to be fair to each other. His yeah. intention is not at all to go against God's ordinances yeah. or God's truth about marriage and about sexuality. Not at all. His intention is, is there something that can be done here to keep the door open for the sake of the gospel yeah. to bring the only thing that can change this young man's life, which is Christ. Yeah. Right? So that's what he's thinking now. Again, I may disagree with his approach to it, but can we disagree without canceling? Yeah. Can we disagree without indicting? We've bought into the world's culture. Like the polarization that we see in politics, we're doing that in the church. If I disagree with you, I have to vilify you. Yeah. And that's not okay in Christ's church, especially we're talking about a man with a proven track record of faithfulness. And we're not even talking about a theological point. I heard so many people say, no, it is a theological point. It's a gospel point because it's going against God's creation ordinance, et cetera. Hold on a second. How do we get to the heart of the actual disagreement? We have to ask the right questions. He is not disagreeing on what marriage is. So we agree. He's, you know what he's disagreeing on? It seems to me he's disagreeing on what a wedding is, not what marriage is. But what a wedding is, Hmm. is a wedding a celebration of like, is, is the people attending, are they really celebrating that union? And is that a required part of attendance? I think that's what he's, let me ask you a question in a different way,
1: because I thought about this. Yeah. Does attending and showing presence automatically mean you affirm what's happening or does it depend on the context of where you're at? And I can give you a couple yeah. examples. Yeah. And I know this is a different case, but for example, um, I've been invited, you know, over the years to many different types of services where I, I honestly think nothing's happening here. So, for example, you know, or, or I have a different view of something sure. happening. For example, you know, we go to weddings with uh, uh, Orthodox priests who don't teach the gospel and we disagree completely on the gospel, or we go to actually, this is even more so a baptism yeah. for babies at an Orthodox church yeah, with where baptismal regeneration, baptismal regeneration. <laughs> right. Am I affirming by my presence yeah. that I'm celebrating what's happening to this baby and all that surrounding it just by my presence there? Mm. Does it automatically mean I'm affirming? And I, I'm just That's wrestling with question. thinking about it. Yeah. Does that have to be an automatic?
0: That's a, That's a, And I think that's where there could have been a conversation with, uh, pastor beg mm-hmm. about this. Like we, I think it's a fair question that you're asking. And I have to think I've gone to many, uh, orthodox baptisms. I've always felt uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and that's because I ask myself, am I endorsing in any way? And if someone makes a good case to me that I am, uh, you know, I would then decide probably I can't attend those. Um, I feel that way about a wedding because uh, the, the point, at least historically, of the wedding and the fact that the people that are there are witnesses to this union that's taking place. There's a, you know, We say in the weddings, you know, before God and these human witnesses, you're yeah. making this covenant. So it seems to me, again, that I think there's something going on there that there's at least some tacit endorsement. Again, I don't think Begg thinks wow. that.
1: Okay, let me ask you another question because I've been I've been invited to strange places, <laughs> so
0: <laughs> I'm sure I have too. But let's hear it. What's, what's okay. This?
1: So I went to a wedding. My wife's listening. To this, she'll know we went together. Okay. Throw her under the bus. With her friends? No, I'm not throwing her under the bus. She just puts me in these situations. No, <laughs> okay. No, Lord, no Lord puts us. So this was a wedding. We didn't really know. We it was a childhood friend. She's yeah. a, a sweet, a sweet girl, and we go to her wedding, and. We get there, and this woman's performing the wedding, and it's a Christian science wedding. Oh. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. No, no clue. I'm like, yeah. so what am I at right now? Because yeah. there was like these symbols and this thing she was talking yeah. about. I'm like, okay, what is this? I don't even know. If I'm affirming anything, I have no idea what I'm affirming to. Then at at the reception. Oh, no. got even better. They so- asked you to pray. No. Oh, shoot. <laughs> Nothing, you know. Um uh no, sorry, this is a different wedding oh no but no, but another thing uh, this was another wedding, but yeah. this was another wedding where we were put in a situation where another childhood friend of hers uh she had we were sitting at a table with couples, and one of her uh friends had got married. he got married to he so it was a gay couple we were with so it was her childhood one of her childhood friends um came out yeah. as gay and then got married and we were at their table sitting so, with them for the evening. Yeah. Um sure. and, and had to interact and, and talk we were talking about weddings, how did you meet? And just interacting with them yeah. and thinking how do we, in this situation, how do we show love? Or or should we just condemned right there? I think I think Uh, Alistair's point was even, you know, in this message, it was, do we, do we quickly condemn? Do we go down on the side of condemnation or are we trying to wrestle with what does it look like to actually show compassion and love to people, even though we disagree with them? We're not affirming, but we're disagreeing. So anyway, I sidetracked with the second one, but the first one, like if I'm going to a wedding that is, is, I don't know what it is. What am I affirming? Even at that point, like a Christian science thing.
0: Yeah, I guess. So. I think that we have to be able to distinguish between things that are part of creation and things that are part of redemption. Okay. And so under creation, marriage is under creation. It seems not under redemption. And so we would hold to some sort of natural law understanding of what marriage is and what that event should be. And so it it seems to me that at least it's got to be a union between a man and a woman. Now, so if it's a Christian science or a a civil union or whatever, that's not really going against okay. create creation mandates and ordinances. I, I think that's the way the argument would be made, uh, and I that's kind of the direction I would I would go in my if I were to co- have a conversation with with Begg Begg on this. So I think that's an important distinction. However, again, what I want to get at is I want to know where the real disagreement is. Some people say, oh, the real disagreement is he wants to preserve the relationship. And so it's at all costs, even at the cost of disobeying his God. And I'm like, no, don't you know, Alistair Begg, that's not at all his intention. His intention, if anything, is to preserve the relationship for the gospel. And it, it, that does make a world of difference. He could be wrong about it.
1: Yeah. So this is one of his points he was making. He said, It, it, when we, when we condemn people, we close the opportunity for future engagement. Mm -hmm. So one of his arguments is, are we closing the opportunity for future engagement with that person?
0: Yeah. And and look, Paul, Paul says something similar in first Corinthians when it seems that the Corinthians get him wrong, where there's that whole, they're, they're separating from each other rather than from the world that's in sin. Right. He says, you know, uh, sorry, there's, there's separating from the worldly, uh, pagans, you know, the ones yeah. that are in sin rather than the Christians who are living in sin. He's saying, no, I'm saying you don't have a relationship with a Christian who's unrepentant living in that sin, but the world's the world. You have to leave the world to, you know, yeah. not interact in that way. Um, so I think Paul addresses some of that. I think Jesus addresses some of this, obviously when he's actually having table fellowship with sinners and tax collectors, it's not marriage. Okay. So it, it's a different setting. So I, I do think there's a distinction there, but table fellowship's a big deal.
1: So, so what about if you attend, I mean, yeah. And thinking that and thinking along the lines of, then we get into those who are teaching false gospels. And if we're going well, to that, weddings, that's much more important, <laughs> right? Yeah. And, and I'm thinking about that. Yeah. If you're, if you're going to, you know, a cultic event yeah. or you go into, you know, Jehovah witness hall. And you're fellowshipping with Jehovah Witnesses. You just, I mean, I'm just thinking, how do you apply the principle so consistently? And is your intent, what is your intent? Even in saying, I'm not going to go, what is your intent? Do you still care about these people? Do you still care to reach out, to have conversation? Or is your intent to separate because you think I don't want to be defiled by the world thinking that, we're taking this separatist movement, we're yeah. separating from all things of the world yeah. instead of, you know, as, as he was arguing energy, this is with with the tax collectors and the sinners. So sure. how do we okay. engage with the world? Let,
0: let me let me push back on that a little bit because we do want to remain undefiled by the world. James chapter one, I think, addresses that. Um and, and I think that there is a sense in which remaining separate actually is attractive and draws them out instead of like, we, you would never say this either, Roger. I know you like, we don't want to look like the world.
1: No, I'm not saying that. I know, yeah.
0: I know yeah. that Alistair Begg's not saying that either. Um, but I do think there's, there's where some of the tension for me is that I get the per, the perspective that Begg has. Hey, look, let's keep those doors open, yeah. but there are times that those doors just have to be closed by virtue of their rejection of the things of God. And sure. And that's okay too, because the Lord can certainly open those doors again as they see how we have integrity and we're standing for things you so
1: know. so I I have to go back to 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 this is a wrestling with attention. Yeah. That becomes very difficult because life is not black and white and takes a lot of wisdom and humility to walk through and to be faithful to the Lord in all circumstances, but not to bash each other because we're trying to be faithful and trying to apply scripture. And just because I don't apply it in the same way you want to apply it in a situation does not mean that somebody is canceled and that somebody is now unorthodox according to your standard because you've now lifted yourself as the authority. Over right. how all people Should live out their faith
0: Roger imagine That that means that not only do we have to have Theological unity like where yeah. we're Completely eye to eye theologically But we also have to Apply all of that Theology in the same way yeah. Or else we can't have unity And I have to cancel you and disassociate Myself from you That means Now I think we're pretty close Roger yeah. But man, there's got to be some things you apply differently than I do. Yeah. So we, we're going to yeah. have to divide. I mean, imagine we, that can't be where Christian unity lies. Yeah. It can't be. And we have to have room for disagreement that I think you and I have talked about this, something that's on my heart a lot. I think disagreement can be and should be within the church doxological. It can be, bring glory and honor to God. Mm-hmm. because you know what this is forcing us to do if we're doing it with humility seek god's word in a deeper way yeah. try and understand prayerfully how to apply the scriptures in a different way hearing from brothers and sisters and going okay this is insight i need to think about this and i haven't given it thought that brings glory to god unless we're arrogant and proud and yeah. vindictive and constantly canceling each other and We've kind of did it to
1: ourself by creating the uh, celebrity pastors, right? Of course. Celebrity authorities. Because you're even looking at some of these guys and how they're treating each other and even how they're talking. And what a poor example. You even see it in how some of the big known, well-known pastors are treating this situation. Not having dialogues, not having engagement, not having discussion but you're canceled, you're no longer on the radio, you're canceled, you're no longer yeah. at a conference, your influence is gone because we've puffed up men to have this type of authority in issues that we really should be wrestling with within our own context, in our own church, in our own situation. I think of how much is left out of this whole conversation that he had Oh yeah, that wasn't there, the follow-up, the continued conversation. This isn't one and done. Yeah. It's one and done if you're changing your view on what marriage is. Right. It's not one and done if you're asking a question. If a congregant cannot be, cannot have that security in themselves to even ask you a question, it says something about maybe even how you're teaching. And he brought that up. He said, you know, he said, be careful those who are very condemning of sin. Yeah. For oftentimes you find that they're struggling with sin themselves. Kind of the Pharisee mentality, which could be a stretch.
0: Here's something interesting. I wonder if it would have been better if beg had not been the one to preach the sermon in defense of his position. Yeah. And the reason I say that is it just comes off to some, again, I didn't listen yeah. to it. Uh, one of the brothers I was in a conversation with, he said he did listen. He said, man, he felt like he was doubling down and, and just kind of unfortunately using the text more defensively and against folks. Um, and, and again, I didn't listen to it, so yeah. I can't say personally, but I can, I could see maybe there would have been wisdom if maybe someone else had been able to preach and address the issue or at least some sort of Q&A time for it. it it's always tough to say. You, you never yeah. know. And I appreciate him still. I don't want to cancel yeah. people like that when there are so few that are faithful and preaching the word. And we're, we're sitting here beating ourselves. It's, it's, I feel like 1 Corinthians 3. Why are we dividing ourselves when we should be united more and more in Christ, um, Gavin Ortland put out a good video on this topic. Uh, I commend it to you all. Again, uh, I think Gavin has a, a good kind of balanced perspective where he disagrees with Beg, but he also thinks that we can do better than disagreeing. Uh, do better in the way we disagree.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think if you listen to a sermon, that at least from my perspective or or my kind of summary was it uh, uh, from it was. It was a good reminder of god's love for those who we need to love and we need to reach out to that that the heart of if you've been transformed by the grace of god has a softened your heart to want to share that grace with all with those who um, are around you and how are you going to do it in a weird strange world where you have to deal with this tension of wanting to be faithful to your god and being loving to your neighbor and your enemy without having all the answers mm-hmm. and without saying we're all right, but being able to have the heart of saying that, yes, we need to wrestle with this tension and not compromise our beliefs. Because, and that's how, we, how he's taught. He's not, he doesn't compromise. He's held strong to yeah. his beliefs over the years. So I think it's, it was encouraging to listen to. and you know. I'll
0: definitely listen to it, yeah. Um, so interesting the, the way I, I feel as though the enemy is craftily finding ways to try to bring even greater division yeah. into our, our midst when uh, these are good brothers on all these sides. I, I just wish they'd have a better, you know, approach to some of these things.
1: Death reveal the heart. If your instant response yeah. is I need to first bash and then deal with it later or I need to cancel and then pick up the pieces and not engage with arguments. Yeah. It really reveals your heart and where you're at. If you can't even end a conversation with saying, I hear you, I understand your viewpoint. Mm-hmm. I disagree, but I love you still because you're in Christ. I'm in Christ. We haven't compromised the gospel. We're going to heaven, even though we both may differ in some of our application. Oh, yeah. Our unity is based on the blood of Christ, not in our unity and understanding how we're going to apply our faith in every situation. Yeah. And how should we not, uh, how should we withhold condemning and canceling faithful people who have probably been doing ministry more than we've been alive? Yeah. And and we're so arrogant to think, I mean, that's our young seminary days, right? Yeah. We're so arrogant just to throw everybody under the bus. Yep. And then you realize, wow, prideful are we?
0: Raj, there are so many discernment ministries out
1: there. <laughs> Where was that spiritual gift in the Bible? I thought it was encouragement.
0: Oh, man. I'll <laughs> tell you what. It, it really bothers me because it, here, here's what I feel like. Um, the discernment ministries out there are some of the least discerning folks. The most unloving folks. Unloving. And, and to them, discernment, it, it's so interesting because there could be real significant gospel issues that they will overlook and then you come to this low-hanging fruit that oh he said something about the lgbt community therefore i'm going to cancel him and it's heartbreaking yeah because again i agree I, again i i think begs counsel was not I, I wouldn't give that counsel um i think i wrestled i've wrestled with that i've not known mm-hmm. where i would what i would say in certain circumstances but this is kind of where i've landed especially the more i've heard some of the feedback but um to to so quickly ascribe motives and ascribe all sorts of things to one another and cancel each other, it can't honor the Lord Jesus.
1: Yeah. And to pick on an issue like this and forget some of the bigger gospel issues that we've heard even on big platforms where evangelicals have spoken and mentioned and talked about justification in a way that is just strange and we've talked about before. And no one has stood up and spoken about a true gospel issue, That's which right. is uh, how we are saved. Yeah. This is not a true gospel issue. This may be an application, an implication of what we believe, but this is not a true That's right. gospel in the true term of the word good news. Yeah. And truly, it's a gospel issue because everyone needs the good news if you want to use it in that way. Yeah. Everyone needs the good news. So how are we going to reach those who are far off, making decisions that we know are wrong, that breaks our heart, yeah. But still want to reach them for Christ. Do we? Do we care about people? Do we care about the lost? Yeah. I just, our hearts are just so off, aren't they? I wonder. In these conversations. I
0: wonder if somehow this has some law gospel implications. Mm. But that'll be for another yes. episode. Raj, <laughs> thanks for the yeah. work that you did and reading up on this too. And uh, we hope that our listeners enjoyed this uh, banter here and a conversation about a really important topic and a brother that um, we love. And whether we agree or disagree with some of these application points, we want to affirm um, those who are preaching Christ. And uh, so I hope that you will join us again next time. Uh, Until then, uh, God bless you guys. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodnstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.